Turn with me to the book of Acts in chapter number 11. Acts in chapter number 11 tonight. We're going to talk about the grace of God tonight. Uh, This is a great subject here. We're going to begin in verse number 19, and we're going to read together down through verse number 24. Acts 11, verses 19 through 24. And, of course, we're going to stand together out of respect for the Word of God. When you find that uh, place there in your Bible, Acts 11, then join us and stand with me reading together. Beginning verse 19 down through verse number 24. And let's begin together on verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus, Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Verse 24, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Stephen was martyred for his faith. He was stoned to death. And uh, when that uh, execution took place, no doubt others who hated the gospel of Christ and those who followed Christ were emboldened. And persecution rose even more, and many people fled, fled their homes, fled their Uh, livelihoods and so forth for their own personal safety and the Bible says that uh, they went as far as uh, Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch and Syria and uh, as they went they spread the gospel wherever they went you know uh, the New Testament tells us you know you you can't do anything for against the truth the truth is just the truth (laughs) amen You can't diminish it. You can't overthrow it. uh, You can't make it more true. It just is what it is. Amen. It's true. And uh, and, uh, it's like a wildfire. You try to stamp it out, and what you do is you spread it. (laughs) And historically, the gospel has spread because of persecution. And that's what happened here in Acts chapter 11. And folks who'd never heard the gospel and perhaps may never have heard the gospel were it not for the awful treatment of Stephen and the persecution around that event, heard the gospel and received Christ by faith. And word got back to the church, and so they said, we, we probably ought to send somebody that, uh, that would uh, you know, make sure that these folks understand that, you know, that this is genuine and and uh, they chose Barnabas. Barnabas was from Cyprus, which was a better choice than somebody who had been born and raised in Judea. And, and, uh, and he came, sure enough. 
And he saw what God was doing. And the Bible says in verse number 23, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted, encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. I want to speak to you in that little phrase in verse number 23. We have seen the grace of God. Heavenly Father, please through the power of your Holy Spirit convey to thy people the thoughts that you laid upon my heart now in the last several weeks. And I pray that we would just uh, marvel once more at the wonderful grace of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Someone has said that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a pretty good, pretty good definition there. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Uh, grace has been uh, described as unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. I guess maybe my personal favorite way uh, personally, my favorite way to describe the grace of God is simply this. God has been better to me than I deserve. How many of you can say tonight, God has been better to me than I deserve? Amen? Amen. Barnabas went and saw these brand new converts. People that are hearing the gospel of Christ, most of them are no doubt for the very first time. I'm seeing the Conviction of the Holy Spirit through the faithful preaching of the Word of God and the transformation of the lives of these dear folks who were, uh, uh, their, their people, the Grecians, were not known as people of faith. They were intellectuals. The Grecians prided themselves in their intellect. But here these are folks who humbled themselves and didn't let uh, their associations and affiliations keep them from the wonderful grace of God. And they were saved. And Barnabas saw this. He saw this. I remember many years ago now, and we took a small group of folks to a Sunday school convention down in Florida. Miss Shirley Collins was still alive at the time. I remember, she was on the trip with us, and, and we um, participated in that, in that meeting. And uh, I remember there, the church was a man who had a very rare disease. His, literally, his body was wrapped in gauze. And the disease uh, deteriorated his skin. And at that point, he had less than, less than, uh, more than 80% of his skin had been eaten away by the disease. And literally, he had gauze wrapped around his body. And they told the story of the dear man and gave him the microphone. And he sang a song. I wish I could sing it for you tonight. But the song is derived from Paul where Paul said three times, I pray that you'd take this thorn away from me. And God's answer was, my grace is sufficient for thee. And this dear man with, in that condition sang that day of the grace of God. And I, I thought about that so many times. On that particular day, we saw the grace of God. We witnessed the grace of God in a man's life. I want to say three things tonight. Number one, may God help us to see His grace. May God help us to see His grace in our own lives. I'm so glad for the grace of God that came to me as a little eight-year-old boy 
and convicted me. God so graciously convicted me over and over again. And I try to settle that matter privately, not wanting to embarrass myself. Everybody thinks I'm saved. And I, I had my head, I was saved. And, um, and I came to that conclusion sincerely, but, but uh, mistakenly. And I was under conviction. And God so graciously kept after me and kept after me, kept convicting me. He could have just washed his hands of me. He could, uh, could have said, my spirit will not always strive with this young man. But by his grace, he continued to strive. And by his grace, he continued to convict. And I, I was trying to settle it all in my own little private way. Lord, I might be a sinner. I might be on my way to hell. I might be in need of your grace. And if I do, would you save me? But you don't get uh, salvation because you might need it. You get salvation because you have to have it. Amen. And, uh, and God brought me to that place. And, and I marvel at his grace in my life. I mentioned it this morning about the sweetest little privilege of leading a little granddaughter to Christ. Grandma's right over here. And a little granddaughter to Christ yesterday. And she wanted to know, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? And uh, my, just the sharpest little child. And some uh, questions you'd think come for 11 and 12 year old. And she sat on that step about a half hour, contemplated the gospel. And turned around on her knees on the steps on the front porch. And uh, she said, Jesus Christ, come in my heart. Save my soul. Save me from going to hell. And she got saved. Amen. I saw the grace of God yesterday. Anybody that's ever been saved has been saved by the grace of God. Amen. I have seen the grace of God. Oh, may God help us to see His grace in our own lives and see His grace in the lives of others. You know, uh, I, I, I thought about this. I, I, one of the first times I went back to preach at my alma mater, I've been able to do that numbers of times now, and I'm so grateful for those who invested in my life and, and taught me and... and uh, and uh, 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 preached to me and helped me to grow as a young man to prepare for a life of ministry. I'm so thankful for so many godly people that invested in my life. But one of the very first times after having pastor for several years, and I, was, I had the privilege to go back and preach on the campus of my alma mater, Hiles Anderson College. And, um, and one of the things, I had a chance to meet with all the preacher boys. And me in a class, we had a class that was the... Uh, uh, church education class, a very cr practical class, how to run a deacon's meeting, uh, how to run a deacon off. I mean, I'm sorry, how to, run, how to run a deacon's meeting, how to baptize. I mean, very practical classes, you know, about just every day, I mean, how to conduct a funeral service, so forth. And I'm uh, very thankful for that. And I had a chance to talk to a couple hundred young men preparing for ministry in that class. And I told them this. I said, young men, I wish now that while I was in college... I would have treated my classmates better. Because after having pastored, I realized something. I realized that somebody somewhere had loved and prayed for and cried over and wept for and challenged and stayed after and visited and knocked on doors and carried them back to youth, back and forth to youth activities probably. And so much had been invested in a young person to get them there to that point. And I, I, I knew what God wanted me to be. I did. I, 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 I had a lot of rough edges God had to trim off of me. Uh, but I knew where I was going. I knew what I was going to do. It never considered anything else. My first week in the dorm, maybe the first day, within a day or two, moving into a dorm, upperclassmen looked at me and said, Are you going to quit? I said, Quit what? Are you going to quit? So what are we talking about? Are you going to quit college? I said, I, No, I've already registered. I didn't understand the question. 
Why would I come to quit? I didn't come to quit. And uh, he did and I didn't. And, uh, but anyway, I, 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 so I, I knew where, I, by God's grace, I knew what I was going to do with my life. But, and I, had, I didn't have much patience with those who were trying to figure it out. And quite frankly, I, I don't think I treated my classmates as well as I should have. And after I became a pastor, I began to think about, and I had some apologizing to do. And I thought about some parents back home and a pastor back home who did, RJ stand up for me just a minute to illustrate this, who did everything they could to get that young man where he needed to go next in his Christian life. And I thought, I hope because of my unkindness that I didn't discourage that man. There's so many other people had invested in him. And that's one thing I wish I could go back and do over. I didn't fully understand the grace of God that got that young man to that college campus to, to prepare for ministry. Now then, I'm the sweetest man you ever met in your life. And, uh, but anyway, but that was a regret that I had. And I, and I told those young men that. And I wanted them to know that. And I wanted them to contemplate that uh, maybe we ought to do more encouraging, be more encouraging of one another. Amen? I hope that we can see the grace of God in one another's lives. I, I was thinking about another Muslim man that got saved and he'd come, he, he grew up in Afghanistan and had fought in the War of Independence against Russia. He was 10, 11 years old carrying an automatic weapon around fighting as a boy. Could you imagine that? And somehow, some way, he wound up here in Ashburn of all places living up there at Ashwood Circle, showed up in our service. He had visited a bunch of different kind of churches looking for the truth. And uh, Tan was his name, Tan Ahmad. And I went and visited Tan after he visited the church and went to his little apartment up there in Ashwood Circle, sat down on his couch right in front of his, his uh, little coffee table there in front of the couch and went through the gospel with him. And, and uh, he got on his knees and he asked Jesus Christ to be a Savior. I used the Romans Road in some verses. And after he prayed, he lifted up his head with the glory of heaven on his face. He said, man, he said, this is wonderful. He said, I can't even describe it. He said, I feel like I've been born all over again. I said, well, let me show you what. You have been born all over again. Then he really got excited. Amen. Oh, listen, I love to see the grace of God in the lives of others. Rudy, it's good to see you. You was at the hospital today. It's good to see you tonight. Praise the Lord. Rudy's had several visitors in recent days. And a little couple sits over here. They've been coming a month now. Every service, every Sunday rather. And uh, she grew up Roman Catholic from Germany. And he's a retired veteran. And about two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, after about three hours in the Word of God, Brother Hamilton and I showing him the Word of God, they bowed their head and received Jesus Christ as Savior. Amen? Amen. And they're growing in the Lord. Amen? Come last Sunday, so we need a Bible. I got this Bible. It doesn't read the same. And I said, you need a King James Bible. He said, you hear that, sweetheart? We need a King Bible. Where do we get us a King Bible? Amen? <laughs> and uh, I love it, the enthusiasm. Desire to learn teachable spirit. I love to see the grace of God. Amen. I love to see what God is doing in homes and in families and people sitting in this room right here. And I hope I didn't ask permission, but I want to share this. Miss Tori out over here, she cornered Miss Shook at the couples retreat. 
And uh, she said, I just want to say, and she, I, I overheard and she told, she said, I want to thank you all for coming by faith and staying with it all these years. She said, I wouldn't have my, my, my family, my husband, my children if you hadn't done that. And I, and I, I couldn't help but think, and I, I preached to, to our young people at the college over in Lexington this last week, a couple days, and, and I was thinking about that, the grace of God. And uh, right as soon as we came by faith, we just started knocking doors and over here on uh, Henson Street off of Balfour Avenue. Uh, I don't know, maybe a couple months into it, I knocked on the door and, and, and John's parents were there, John and Crystal. And I started going through the gospel with them. And Crystal got so mad at me, she stomped out of the living room and went to the back of the house. And uh, John kindly heard me out. And, and anyway, they, uh, they didn't come. But they got introduced to us. And, uh, and then some months later, they had moved to a different area in the, out in the county. I was at, on a rural road, so I don't remember where it was, but it wasn't in town. And they had moved somewhere else, and I was knocking on doors. I knocked on the door, amen. And a lady opened the door. She said, you again. <laughs> I said, yeah. I said, I got another card for you here. And uh, anyway, she took it. That was a short conversation. And then she had a co-worker. And... Uh, John's mother had a co-worker and uh, kept said, come to my church, come to my church. And I and, uh, said, so what church you go to? She said, here it is right here. Gave her a car. She goes, oh, I've seen that car before. <laughs> and, she, and anyway, eventually they, come, they came. And after some time, she called me one day and I had the privilege of leading her to Christ over the telephone. Amen. And we got to see uh, John grow up and Johanna was sitting in that chapel service. And, uh, and Tori recognized it, and that just touched my heart. Amen. You look around, folks, and you'll see the grace of God all across this room. We're here by the grace of God. Amen. Oh, may God help us to see His grace in our lives, in the lives of others. I, I, I look back here, Jesus, I see the grace of God in your family. You know, my mom, she won't mind me saying this. She don't remember everything like she quite like she wishes she could. And uh, Jesus came in about a year ago, came walking in. And I said, hey, how'd you get here? He said, your mother invited me. And the other ladies, of course, that were with her. And he went and spoke to her. And uh, she didn't quite remember that. But let me tell you something. She, she knows how to pray. She knows how to share Christ. And I don't know how many of Jesus' family members and loved ones have been saved. But a couple dozen folks between he and now Alicia's family, she's saved and baptized here. Both her children have been saved here. I see the grace of God back there. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life like that. I see the saving grace of God in these names I've mentioned. I've seen the salvaging grace of God. I've seen the salvaging grace of God. Brother Greg and Miss Donna walked in on a Wednesday night service about two or three years ago before the service. And I was, I was there in the foyer. For some reason, I was headed to my office. It was maybe about an hour. And Brother Greg, he said, Preacher, no, no more. No, no more. And Miss Donna, she's doing like this. <laughs> she said... No more, Pastor. I said, no more what? He said, Greg said, never again, never again. 
I said, what is it, Brother Greg? He said, you know, for years, he said, we've taken a vacation and, and we've done it with family and we just had a habit going to the same place, doing the same thing. He said, but I can't explain it. He said, I, I, this year we went, we did what we've always done year after year after year. And he said, I was so uncomfortable. And I just got thinking, what am I doing here? I, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to be separated unto the Lord. Why, what am I doing here? Amen. And, and he, he looked over at his wife. He said, honey, you feeling what I'm feeling? She said, I'm feeling it too, honey. Amen. We shouldn't be here, should we? He said, that's what I'm feeling. Amen. And they said, never again. Amen. Amen. Hey, look, if you've got to breach your conscience to go on vacation, go on vacation somewhere else for crying out loud. Amen. Who cares what everybody else does? We're God's people. Amen. Yeah. You know what you call that? You call that salvaging grace. Amen. God didn't just save us to keep us out of hell. God saved us to salvage our lives, to be consecrated unto Him. And I can't help but think of the sustaining grace of God that I've seen. You saw it just a moment ago. Brother Cadavo stood up here behind this microphone. He's a widower. His wife has already graduated to glory. You don't see a bitter man up here, do you? You saw a humble man. You saw a man that loves the Lord. Tonight, you saw the grace of God. The sustaining grace of God. I was, I was talking to a family just a few weeks ago. And this dear family, elderly family, I have a dear close friend Someone that I know quite well and um, doesn't attend our church except special occasions. And, um, and that such, a, such a sweet person. I'm trying to be careful because I don't I want to be, uh, I don't want to say more than I should say. But a sweet person, many of you would know this person. Uh, just a precious person, a sweet person. Someone who doesn't belong to our church but comes on occasion for special things. But just a wonderful, precious person, and um, and uh, with their spouse is is already gone. But in that conversation with the closest friend, this dear one hands, I came to realize that they are without their spouse because of a self-inflicted death. And all of a sudden, I thought, how in the world? Because somebody remains so sweet and so humble and so tender and carry that on their heart and most people have no idea. And I realized that I had seen in that dear person the grace of God time and time again and not even aware of it. You know, there are folks in this room that are carrying burdens only by the grace of God. You know, if we'd stop and think about that, I think we'd treat each other better. If we'd stop and think about the burdens that folks carry, and sometimes, sometimes folks irritate us a little bit or whatever, and, uh, and, uh, and we act like maybe an 18 or 19-year-old young preacher boy who thinks he knows more than he really knew at the time and, uh, and, 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 and thought it was okay to mistreat people, mistreat his peers. But you know what? A lot of people here tonight, they're just experiencing the grace of God. That's how they come. That's how they walk in the door. That's how they put one step in front of the other. The sustaining grace of God. I think about several families. I have your names written here. And I won't read them tonight. But we've got parents here. 
We've got widows here. We've got widowers here that have been through unspeakable heartache. And yet here you are, faithful, serving. Friends, open your eyes and see the grace of God. You say, how am I going to make it? The same way the folks seated around you have made it, by the sustaining grace of God Almighty. The same grace that saved you, the same grace that cleaned you up, is the same grace that will sustain you. 27 years ago, will be April 26th, the day before Miss Shook's birthday. This coming April, it'll be 27 years that Abigail went to be with the Lord. Brother Cox, Brother Darrell Cox, who was very instrumental in helping this church transition to not having a pastor, to when the Lord led the church uh, to call Ms. Shook and I to come, of course, 28, 28 years ago now. And but Brother, Brother Cox, so faithfully served over at Trinity Baptist in Moxville, been such a blessing to this church and this ministry and so many others, would come every day that he was in town. He would come by the hospital, there, Baptist Hospital. 23 days we were there in the pediatric intensive care. And every day that he was in town, he'd come by and spend just a few minutes and tell us something he got out of the Bible that morning. And then he'd pray for, give us a word of encouragement and pray for us. I asked him to conduct the service. And he and my father preached a service for little Abigail. And Brother Cox chose as his text, Acts 11 and verse 23. And talked about how he had seen the grace of God. My little sister was 14 years old when Abigail died. She was there the morning or the afternoon, rather, that she passed away. And that she had been hooked to all these machines for, for over three weeks. And so they unhooked everything after she died. And they said, would you like to hold her? And, of course, we did. And they bound her up for us and wrapped her in blankets, cleaned her up and wrapped her in blankets. And we got to hold her for some time. And uh, my little sister, Rebecca... Uh, was uh, 14 years old at the time, and uh, and my sweet wife said, "Honey, would you like to would you like to hold her?" She said, "I would." That was a big deal for a 14 year old, and she held little Abigail there for a little while, and we said our goodbyes over about an hour or so, and then yielded her up to the hospital staff, of course. And now then, it'll be uh, it'll be uh, a year and a half. It's been right at a year and a half when I was at the hospital in Winston and her little stillborn baby Julia lay next to her and she said brother would you like to hold her I said I sure would and I held her little body in my arms and we cried together she said I said sis do you remember she said oh yeah I remember and you know the same grace of God that helped us I've watched help my brother-in-law and my sister, my parents. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I've already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When you look over at the 13th chapter, you're in Acts 11, and look over in the 13th chapter, you find another little phrase. In verse 42, And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue... 
Acts 13, 42, when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. I said, number one, may God help us to see His grace in our lives and in others. And number two, may God help us to continue in the grace of God. The Apostle Paul uh, 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 outlined his suffering in 2 Corinthians so profoundly. And he talked about how that he uh, uh, labored more abundantly than anyone else. How he was uh, 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 suffered stripes above measure, whipped in prisons more frequent in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck a night in the day. I've been in the deep in journeyings, often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst and fastings, often in cold and nakedness, on and on he goes. Perhaps no other man suffered in his body like the Apostle Paul year after year, even stoned to death at Lystra. God raised him up again to serve him. But Paul says here that he continued, he continued by the grace of God. When Job's ten children were killed in one day in a storm and all of his business enterprises swept away and his health stripped from him. The question was asked of him, Job, uh, uh, what do you have to say about this? And Job said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. If you've never listened to the funeral service for the wife of E.V. Hill, you need to look it up you need to listen to it. E.V. Hill pastored a church out there, a large church there in the Los Angeles, California area. And his sweet wife, he called her baby. And he talked about his baby in the funeral service. And he stood up, read his text. He said, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, it'll move you to your soul. In that message, he said, someone asked me, Dr. Hill, how are you doing? His answer, I'm experiencing the grace of God. That's a pretty good answer, isn't it? By God's grace, we continue. I read this story. Fascinating story. A young man by the name of Stoyan, whose father was a preacher of the gospel behind the Iron Curtain. In 1955, his father had been arrested and would stay in a communist prison for years, allowing only two visits during all that time. He'd be horribly mistreated. On one of those visits, they had an hour for a visit in a big common area, a field where many families would come on a given day and the prisoners were, 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 were able to come. And they waited till almost the entire hour was over and finally a, a prison, a prison uh, warden, uh, warden came carrying an emaciated body and laid the body on a table. And Stolyan and his mother walked up 
and looked for a particular birthmark to find that it was indeed their father, barely alive. And Father compelled upon their hearts to continue. By a miracle of God, his father survived that imprisonment. In his first nine months of imprisonment, it was mental torture, it was physical torture. But one of the most demeaning things that he was subjected to every day for nine months, one of his prison guards, and this is Frank, and this is Frank, but true. One of his prison guards would give him for breakfast a piece of toast. But before he would give him the toast, he would take that pastor's own feces and spread it on the toast and stand and force him to eat that toast every day for nine months. What it did to him physically, what it did to him mentally and emotionally was unspeakable. By the grace of God, the day came. He never would. He never would denounce his faith in Christ. They did everything they could to break him. But he would not denounce his faith in Christ. And after several years of that, they went and grabbed him out of his cell one day. They took him to a pole out in the courtyard, tied him to that pole and said, we're giving you one last opportunity to deny your faith. They screamed at him. They yelled at him. They said, you will be shot. This is your last chance. You deny Jesus Christ or you will be executed. And that dear man straightened his back, stood tall and said, I will not deny Christ. Those guards became infuriated and cursed and swore. And then, to his utter surprise, they untied him, pushed him, to the gate of the prison, opened the prison gate and pushed him out on the sidewalk, closed it behind him. He stood there stunned, thinking for sure moments before that that he was going to be executed. Instead, he was released. It took him some time to find where his family was. His family was displaced. They lost their home. And only by the grace of God, God's people for those three years, I believe it was three years total imprisonment, Folks helped sustain his family, his pastor's wife and the kids. He finally found them and went to the house where they were. They weren't there. And he realized they must be at the church. And so he found where the church was. When he got there, they were in a prayer meeting praying for him. <laughs> God began to piece his health back together. And he actually began to preach again. A lady came to him after... He was restored to relative health and he was preaching again. A lady elderly came to him and said, Sir, Pastor, could you help me? She, he said, I have a son who's diabetic and he's dying. He's, he's, the, the diabetes has blinded him. He cannot see and he's dying. He's in, he's in terrible pain, but we cannot afford the medication. He said, well, ma'am, I'll do what I can to help you. I don't have the money, but I'll try to get it together for you. And he did just that and he, he did what he could to get the money together and he bought the medication and he went to the woman's apartment. Now listen to this true story. The woman invited him to the apartment 
She said, would you come before you leave and pray over my son? And this pastor who had been emaciated, who had been tortured, vilely treated in a communist prison, now restored, now a pastor, visiting an elderly woman whom he did not know and her son whom he'd never met, so he thought, walked into a little room where a man lay agonizing in pain, blind from diabetes. And when he walked in the room, he saw the very prison guard who had forced him to eat that toast for nine months. Something swept over him and he cried out to God for the grace to be kind. By the grace of God, he never revealed that he knew the man. He administered the medication. He prayed over the man. And this he said, and quote now, Oh Lord, do not let me fail you now. After he prayed over the man and helped the woman administer the medicine, he returned home, listen, awed by a new and deeper understanding of God's grace. So overwhelmed was he by God's grace that the experience changed his life and the lives of his entire family. May God help us to continue by his grace. And then lastly, look over at chapter 14, verse 26. Turn the page. And the Bible says in verse 25, Acts 14, 25, And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia and then sailed to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work, look at it, which they fulfilled. This is the close of the missionary journey. He was sent out by the grace of God on this journey. He completed that journey. Many thousands of souls saved, churches planted, and he comes back to the place from whence he came. And he had finished by the grace of God. In 2 Timothy 4, 6 and 7, Paul, in his last writings, said, I'm, I'm ready to go. The time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course, and I have kept the faith. Tomorrow will be six years since Brother Bobby Robertson went to be with the Lord. 86 years old, pastored the same church for 61 years, Gospel Light Baptist Church. His wife preceded him in death by three years, 66 years of marriage. Led the church in 13 building programs, paid every one of them off. Started a Spanish ministry, began a bus ministry for over 50 years of his ministry, a bus ministry that still goes on today. Thousands saved from that. Some of you sitting in this room touched by that bus ministry. Started the Gospelite Christian School, which has gone on now for almost 50 years. A 139-acre camp in Hillsville, Virginia, where some of you were called into the gospel ministry, where God did such a great work in our lives. And that old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist preacher who preached faithfully out of the old King James Bible, believed it to be the divinely inspired, preserved Word of God, finished the way that he started. 
has said in his obituary, his family, his congregation, and his many friends can truly say he did what his greatest desire was to do, to leave behind a good name and be a faithful servant to his Lord. He finished by the grace of God. Can you imagine the old apostle Paul? Nero thought he had a prize when he had Paul beheaded. Now we name our dogs Nero and our sons Paul. And I can see old Paul. History records that James led his captor to Christ as he was going off to death. And I can see the old apostle Paul. As he's on his way to put down his head on the guillotine or on the chopping block where he'd be beheaded. And I can see that old grizzled soldier who said, I finished my course, I've kept the faith. I can see him as his guard comes and said, it's time now, prisoner, stand. I can see him as he's unshackled from the wall and then perhaps shackled to the soldier and as they walk to the place of execution, I can see old Apostle Paul saying, hey son, you're going to die one day too where you're going to spend eternity. I don't rightly know. Well, the Bible said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I can see old Apostle Paul witnessing that man. <laughs> Telling about Christ. As he laid his head on the chopping block. And he took his head off. I'm sure there was a shriek on this side of eternity. But can you imagine what it was like in heaven? As the Apostle Paul. By God's grace saved. By God's grace continued. By God's grace finished. Can you imagine the welcome in heaven? As that man of God came home. I'm going to ask my mom to come up and sing for us. Mom, would you do that? I asked her this a little while ago. If I could get a piano player or two, that would be great. Up there. It's number 49 in the silver book. We sang this, uh, Abigail's funeral. I heard, uh, I heard Curtis Hudson sing this. And uh, let me have the pulpit mic. Let me turn this one off here. 